The Google Podcast app is going away in April. Right now, I want you to take a look at the podcast app you're using right now. Maybe it's time for a new one. Check out podcastapps.com and try a new one for free right now. That's podcastapps.com. This is Writing Class Radio, where you'll hear true personal stories from the students in our class and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories. I'm Andrea Askowitz, the teacher of the class. And I'm Allison Langer, a student in the class. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit and figure out who we are. There's no place in the world like writing class. And we want to bring you in. This is the second episode of season five. We will release a new episode on the first Wednesday of every month. So look for us. On today's episode, we're talking about secret pleasures, which was also the prompt for our spring writing contest. We got tons of stories about things that make you happy in private. Things like happy endings, Wheel of Fortune, and vacuum cleaners. (laughs) This episode also includes a story from Leah Cerati, a student in our class. Both stories take us into a world of secret pleasure with a twist. Up first is our contest winner, Erica Flynn from New York City. I am your secret pleasure. I'm a mistress for a living. Being the other woman has been paying my bills for two years now. It pays my rent, it buys me and my friends expensive dinners, fancy shoes and designer bags, it buys books and flights, buys me. As a professional sugar baby, I'm the fantasy, not the girlfriend. That means I don't get my period, I don't feel fat today, I don't get upset when you check out the waitress's ass as she walks away, and I'm never not in the mood. I'm the porn you watch while your wife is in the shower. I'm exactly what you shouldn't be doing. I don't mind being a mistress. If my only other options are wife or girlfriend, I figure mistress is the best choice. None of the responsibility and all of the sex. Also, you never have to play the fool. You just have to play your part. In New York, I was happily playing my part in older and richer men's lives. I dated lawyers, international real estate agents, hedge fund managers, business consultants, and strip club owners. Despite a flurry of different professions, they all had one thing in common, unhappy marriages. I was a sweet escape from their otherwise mundane sex lives. The mistress brought balance and relieved tension. She kept the world on its axis. Everything didn't instantly change when I met Remy. However, the first time I let him into my bed, he didn't want to have sex. He said, we can just make out and talk. Remy was a friend of a friend. We met organically. He seemed in control and not into monogamy. He wasn't Aries like me. He was sober five years, but threw parties and sold weed for a living. He was visiting New York for Fashion Week when we both happened to be flying to Los Angeles the same day. He was going home and I was visiting. We spent the entire week together. The first night, he came over to the studio apartment where I was staying. We had sex. Good sex. I didn't come, but I don't usually with a lot of men the first time. He came over almost every night after that to sleep with me. We didn't have sex. He would just hold me while I babbled on about my day. His eyes closed and breathing slowed. Sorry, I'm probably being so annoying. No, keep talking. I love it. I knew every time I came to LA or Remy was in New York, I didn't have to have sex with him. If I wanted to, I could. 
But if I wanted to just lie on his chest while he held his phone above me, texting God knows who, I could do that too. I didn't ask who he was texting, and he didn't ask me either. He became my escape, the escape I was for everyone else, and I wouldn't ruin that with expectations. I began staying at his place and he at mine. He would hand over his keys as if he were simply handing me the pen to sign the receipt at a restaurant, and I did the same. One time, he wanted to make me breakfast before he went to a meeting. Despite my assurance he didn't need to, he made us plates of scrambled eggs, egos, and pre-made hash browns from Trader Joe's. I've never made a girl breakfast before, he laughed. That was evident, considering the amount of things on the plate that had been pre-packaged. But it was still better than any wad of cash any man had ever handed me. My nights consisted of hotel room dates and lap dances, followed by a cab home with a stack of cash in my purse. I always tipped the driver well, showered, and fell asleep instantly. I couldn't imagine a sex worker lying awake at night. The emotional labor was exhausting. The payoff, however, was rewarding, and I treasured time spent alone at home in unflattering cotton underwear. Remy's nights were filled with acquaintances, and people lined up at a door to a party they weren't necessarily invited to. He let them in anyway and listened to their drunken conversations. He knew everyone, but like me, typically went home alone. You gonna miss me? I asked him one night before he boarded a flight back to Los Angeles. He said, I don't usually miss people, but I always miss you. We didn't text or call much in between trips. We had come to a mutual understanding that when we were in the same city, we belonged to each other, and when we weren't, we didn't. I was fine with that. Our lifestyles were parallel, but on opposite coasts, and in a perfect world, we had met our match. But every once in a while, we sent the other an I want you text, or I sent him a suggestive photo. He wasn't much of a texter, so his response usually resonated somewhere in the realms of, wow, your boobs look big. I blushed every time. He once texted, thank you. I texted, thank you for what? Thank you for being you. A couple weeks went by and I hadn't heard much from him. It wasn't completely unusual considering our communication was sparse unless one of us had plans to visit. Something had my stomach in a knot. A girl, an ex, had resurfaced on his Instagram and had been taking up too much space for my liking. I dreaded this day for a long time and I knew it was coming even before he did. He texted, I have to tell you something, but I'm scared. Just tell me, Remy. What if I had a girlfriend? Would that change things? I cried in the public restroom of a Cuban restaurant. Normally, his having a girlfriend wouldn't change anything. I knew my role. I knew my part. He was coming to New York in a week and she wasn't coming. He wanted to know if I still wanted to see him. Of course I fucking did. I said, I can't see you. Seriously? Seriously. I booked a flight to Mexico City for the exact days he would be in New York. I knew if I was here, I would find him in my bed, my dress on the floor, while he played with my hair as I drifted off to sleep. For once, I'd rather play the fool. I love it. I know. I, love I loved it. it too. Ugh. I mean, how many times have you wondered, like, what's going on with these guys? Who are they talking to? Who are these other women? Have you been? I don't think I've ever wondered that. Really? <laughs> but what's so awesome about this story is that she is the secret. She's totally telling us that she's that person. She's not like, oh, I've been cheated on until the end. But it's well, not even a cheat situation. She, yeah, no, she's not even saying that. She just knows that he's not choosing her long term. And she didn't care until now. That was such an interesting point of view. She takes us into this other world where she's the mistress. 
dang. And, and she I makes a really her. great case for it. Yeah. I liked her too. She's a really likable narrator, mm-hmm. even playing her role, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh... You know what I liked about her? I liked that she got vulnerable at the end, and also she got really human. Like at the beginning, I was like, wait, really? Are you really okay? And she says she is. But then at the end, she's not. Not when she has real feelings for the guy. She's okay being that person. She's totally okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that she's not okay not being the girlfriend. Right. She's okay with the guy she's sleeping with having wives. She's okay with that. But I wasn't sure I totally believed that. Oh, I believe that. For sure she made me believe that and because she didn't care about them. She she she's kind yeah. of making fun of them, yep. and they're not they're not in control. They're just they they're needy. Like the whole thing, this mm-hmm. guy was different. But then I totally trust her because at the end she's willing to show us her own vulnerability, like yeah. she her own hurt. And I'm so proud of her. Oh my god, this is a hard place to write from, and she did it expertly. Very few additional words. Mm-hmm. She kept it really tight. And she got to the point, and we loved her because I think you're right, of just of her vulnerability at the end, and that she really loved this guy. Mm-hmm. That was painful. If a narrator does a good enough job of telling us where she's coming from, even if she has a different worldview than I have, I will like her. But in this case, her worldview is so in opposition to what I think is okay. I mean, she's, she's a professional cheater. She's not cheating. She's that's not true. Cheating. She's not cheating. Yeah, she's not cheating. Huh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's why. She's but, totally upfront about who she like is. If, if if I were to date, so I'm not I'm single, right? So if I were to date a married man, that's I, what this woman is. Okay. Basically would I judge doing. you? Yes. No. No. I would judge the man. We don't want people to think that we're judging their stories, but I'm telling you, I don't care what you send out there. People judge you, and then they understand you, and then they get over it. It's like stages of storytelling. I mean, we say really vulnerable things that may or may not be interpreted by other people the way we hope they will. But that's part of telling our story and sharing our story. And I think in this situation, this woman telling her story, she knows some people are going to think she is the biggest piece of shit ever. But you know what? She told her story, and we understand her so much better. We understand what that life is like, and that is really important. And by understanding her story, I don't. I like her. I don't judge her. And now I have a totally new view mm-hmm. of this job. Hey, guys. Great news. We made 100% very non-boring instructional writing class videos that we want to share with you. They're not out yet, though. Things like how to find your stories, how to write them well, how to edit, how to begin and end. There's going to be one-minute quickies that are going to be free. The longer ones with more in-depth instruction will be 20 bucks. So look for those. Check out our website. They're coming in the spring of 2018. If you're not already on our email list, sign up so you're the first to know. Right? Yep. Watch our videos, learn how to write. These two women that you've been listening to with Faces for Radio are now taking them to video. We're back and we're talking about secret pleasures. You just heard from Erica Flynn, who submitted the story for our writing contest, Secret Pleasures. Next up is Leah Cerati. Leah is one of our students. Her story is called Ball and Chain. The Ball and Chain is a kitschy bar and lounge that caters to the tourists who flock to Little Havana 
seeking remnants of Cuba without fully understanding the complexity of exile. An old poster from the 30s is posted on the jungle green wall. It reads, tonight, amateur striptease contest. It's a tribute to the nights during Prohibition when this place hosted the likes of Count Basie and Billie Holiday, which is why I started coming here to begin with. My plan was to sit here during the day, summoning the muses. Now I come here as a matter of habit, in part because of proximity. I live within walking distance, and in part for the anonymity. Everyone sitting at this bar is a tourist. The white couple who is wasting away their retirement check getting drunk on piña coladas, making everyone uncomfortable with their overindulgent PDA. An Asian family takes precautions to guard their skin from the sun, wearing floppy hats, sunglasses, not caring to properly blend the sunscreen lotion on their face. And at least six people who have their camera phones out, crowding an old man who is dancing for tips. But if I'm being honest, I come here to listen to the band. Or rather, to watch the band. And when I say the band, really I mean one musician. The one the band is named after. He sings in Spanish, usually improvising the lyrics, while he plays the keyboard. Where he's from, they call this un conjunto, from the Spanish word for together. And sometimes I just sit here and secretly wonder what it would be like to be together with him. I've been doing this sporadically for three years now, but I don't always behave the same way. The first time I came to the ball and chain, I wore a loose chiffon dress with, of modest length. It was also the first time I danced with Lázaro, a Cuban man in his 70s, a resident of the neighborhood who comes to the bar on a schedule even though he isn't on their payroll. He dresses in tropical colors, always careful to perfectly match the color of his shirt to his pants. Lázaro is smooth, and even though he's at least 40 years older than I am, you can't really tell his age until the music stops, he takes a break, and you see that his back is slightly rounded and he almost shrinks. He moves his feet to the rhythm of the claves and mostly dances alone. The first time we danced, he was wearing a deep purple satin shirt with lavender pants. He wore white loafers to match his white leather belt and a white fedora. After watching him for a while, I smiled and gestured to him. ¿Quieres bailar conmigo? I mouthed to him in Spanish, asking him to dance with me. Really a formality because obviously he danced with me. It's what people came here for. I felt brave and sassy, a side of me I hardly ever get to be. He held me close, and every time Lázaro made a turn, drops of his sweat dripped on my hands and arms. I danced with confidence, even though I knew my counts were off, smiling with every turn. I worked the crowd of tourists snapping videos and shimmied my shoulders at no one in particular, the entire time conscious that I was putting on a show for him, my musician. When the song was done, I sat back down at the table right next to the band, and then the waitress asks if I'm ready for the check. She brings me back to reality. I was so hooked to the feeling of being someone else, someone spontaneous, someone other people looked at, that I kept going back. The next time I went, I chose a white dress, wanting to be more transparent. I sit at the bar, a large island in the middle of the lounge, with my back to the band. I remember the bartender flirting with me, in the way most bartenders do with women who sit alone in bars, hoping tips will increase as their levels of sobriety decrease. When he asked what I wanted to drink, I felt brave again and asked him to surprise me. I danced with Lázaro again, who doesn't recognize me among the hundreds of people who come in. 
I'm not the only girl Lazaro dances with. Sometimes the tourists are beautiful. They look like models. They wear palm print crop tops and sunglasses indoors. They're blonde and tall, foreign. The complete opposite of my short, slightly overweight self. But when I see the awkward way some of the women stumble as they try to dance, I can't help but to compare myself, and it makes me feel superior. This time my dress is a little shorter, just enough to show off the thick of my Venezuelan thighs each time Lázaro lifts my arms above my head and turns me. But I wonder if my musician remembers me. I've heard him play so many times, I can tell when he's really feeling the crowd and when he's just working, when he's immersed in a piece or when he's just regurgitating. When he's into it, he can play a song that lasts 20 minutes. Everyone dances when he plays and smiles when he sings. Today I went to the ball and chain dressed in jeans, a t-shirt, and sneakers. Someone is smoking a cigar while they play dominoes. I've never smoked anything in my life, but the aroma is sweet and earthy and intoxicating. This time I sat at a table directly across the dance floor facing the band. I kept ordering mojitos to pass the time. Every few songs the crowds would part slightly just for a few seconds, enough for me to catch a glimpse of him. Sometimes, in my delusion, we made eye contact. But he does that with all the girls. He wore his uniform, a guayabera and slacks, his thick eyebrows still visible behind aviator sunglasses. When the band took a break at the bar, they all huddled, checked their phones, and laughed. All mundane tasks. But he's cool. He's the kind of guy old men can tell their stories to, and he actually listens. He's an effortless multitasker. While he plays, he watches people walk past, smiles for a stranger's picture, and takes a sip of his drink. My consciousness of his every step creates tension in my chest. Is he as aware of my existence as I am of his? Today I didn't dance with Lázaro. Instead I asked for a dessert. A dark chocolate tres leches made with 12-year-age rum. I eat it slowly, sighing, feeling more myself than ever, imagining all the things I might say if we ever spoke. Eventually, the waitress brings the check in an old Cuban cigar box, and I pay and leave. As I drive home, I contemplated whether I should tell my husband about this expensive habit I've adopted. But when I get home, he doesn't ask any questions, so I don't say anything. Oh my God, I love Leah's story. So she's basically a pretty new student, and I feel like I didn't know anything about her. I didn't know she was married. And when we got to the end, she got to the end, I was like, oh! I remember that in class. <laughs> I know. No, it's true. Um, the whole time I was, like, wanting her to, like, say something and do something. I was urging her forward. And then when she said that about her husband, I was like, oh! Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Like, the whole time I wanted her to get the musician. I was like, why isn't he noticing her? Oh, my God, she's so sexy. Like, the way she described the dress going up and her legs. And uh, I was well, rooting for her. And that's why yeah. I think it's really interesting that she didn't tell us until yeah. the very end that oh, she was yeah. married. No, no, no. Because we would, I don't know that I would be rooting for her. Unless she started with my husband beats me or he's an asshole or I'm in this terrible marriage or whatever. And then, of course, yeah, we want her to be happy. We wouldn't have liked her, for one. We would not have been on her side. And we would have wanted to understand her marriage. We'd have been like, what's wrong with your marriage? But she's still cheating. Let's let's just bring this out into the open here since we're already on the subject. Like, is she cheating by going to this place and not telling her husband? I don't know. 
I've been thinking about it. I'm not sure. Okay, but would you like it if you found out your wife doesn't come home at the end of her work day to hang out and help you with the kids and everything? She is going to ball and chain and flirting with a musician. Well, wait, if she's not helping me with the kids, I'm pissed. But if she <laughs> but if she comes home from ball and chain instead of going to work and is all like sexy, then I'm maybe not pissed. Oh, come on. Okay, so maybe it's right, maybe it's okay, maybe it's wrong. It depends on your marriage and I'd say what you've you've agreed to. But if the husband has no idea that she's sort of solving whatever issue is going on with her at this place, I feel like if it's not okay unless he knows, oh, she's at ball and chain tonight. Like, that's why it's so impressive at the end, because we're like, oh, she's doing something wrong. That's why it's a secret pleasure. Maybe that's what makes it fun. And here we are commenting on her life. It's so hard not to comment on the actual, like, storyline when we hear these kind of things, especially as we get to know people and as we read stories and stuff like that. It's impossible. We're human. We want to jump in and start giving our opinions. But let's comment on the writing. Let's talk about all the great things that she did with the writing. Because I don't think we're going to get to the bottom of whether this is a breach of, you know, if this is infidelity or if this isn't, because that's that's not our problem right now. Well, what was so well done in terms of the writing is that she didn't tell us that she was married until the end. So we didn't get all caught up in our minds about whether or not she was cheating. She's drawn us into scene. So we're right there at Ball and Chain. We are dancing with this old guy, Lazaro. Like we see exactly what he's wearing. We feel his sweat on our arms. Like that's so gross, but not for her. So I accepted it. And I love that she wanted to dance with him so that she could get noticed. Mm -hmm. It was such a subtle way of banging the guy over the head, the musician, right? Subtle way of banging. Yes. <laughs> Instead of like going, hey, like it's just these days, it's like you'd get his phone and text him and be like, hey, meet me in the back corner. And it's just now it was just such a romantic and subtle old school way of getting noticed. And I loved it. I don't know that she really wanted to get he, she wanted to get noticed. But she did she really want to go home with him? Probably not. That's what I get by the ending. That's why I don't think she cheated. That's why I'm not sure. I won't judge her. I don't know. I, I also just think her voice, the way she's so subtle. I don't know. This this narrator is just, it, she seems like she has good intentions. I think that when she tells us at the very end that she's married, my understanding of who she is as a person changed. But not, I didn't judge her negatively. Actually, I'd already fallen in love with her. I was on her team totally. And then when she told me that she was married, told me, she was just talking to me, that she was married, I was like, oh, and now I want to hear about her marriage. Thank you for listening. If you have a business or startup, let Andrea help you tell that story. She'll come to your office and teach all your employees how to better articulate why they do what they do. Because stories sell. And I'm for hire, too. Let me help your high school senior write their college essays. Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Misha Morrell, Andrea Askwitz, and me, Allison Langer. Theme music by Ari Herstand. Additional music by Deanne Key, Lobo Loco, and Poddington Bear. Writing Class Radio is sponsored by and recorded at the University of Miami School of Communication. There's more writing class on our website, Twitter, and Facebook. Study the stories we study and listen to our craft talks. A new episode will drop the first Wednesday of every month. And look out for our videos coming soon. 
There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.